Thank you. Good morning. <clears throat> By the way, I want to say about the Love Ops. Uh, I've been working for years with Cardinal and what they're doing. Uh, yeah, we got to do that. That's really cool. Those people have hard, hard jobs uh, and very little appreciation. So it's a, it is a great idea. Uh, I'm noticing that I'm getting old. And the reason I'm noticing that I'm getting old is I was thinking about my TV from when I was growing up. Uh, many of you will not understand what I'm about to say, but my TV growing up was the size of a small dresser. It was literally this long and this wide, uh, had cupboards and giant TV things. I don't know what they were, but it was giant and... In those days of giant TVs, we had three whopping channels. ABC, NBC, CBS, and then when I remember when I was 13 or 14, we were fired up because we got Fox, right? So we had four channels. Now there's a consequence when you have only four channels, sometimes you choose to view things that you're not as proud of admitting Later, when you're doing public speaking, but for the point today, we will. Sometimes on Saturday mornings, we would watch professional wrestling. Yes, professional wrestling fans with great, not-so-fit men. This is not WWE with these giant men. This is uh, kind of in shape, guys, who made loud noises and threw each other around in very choreographed means. And... When we would sometimes, or other people, I probably didn't do it myself, would watch the professional wrestling, they would sometimes do what's called tag team wrestling. And tag team wrestling entailed, you know, someone getting out there and really getting beat up, you know, getting the, the stuffing kicked right out of them. And then getting in some kind of impossible hold. And the rules of tag team wrestling were simple. If your partner could touch your hand, he could come and beat that guy up for you. Right, it's a pretty good deal. But almost every time, the first guy would go out there and not do well. He struggled, right? And he ended up in bad positions and bad places. And he would inevitably be reaching for his partner, straining to get to his hand, but couldn't get there. And then he would do something magical, and then boom, he made the tap, and in comes his partner to save the day. You know, a lot of times my life feels like that. A lot of times my life feels like I'm in bad places and I'm, and I'm wrestling around and I'm pinned in, in something awful. And I'm reaching for Jesus, but I can't find his hand. I can't find Jesus come in and save me. Come and fix this for me. So today we want to talk about what does it mean to tap in with Jesus? Because a lot of my life I have not understood exactly what that meant. And we're going to do that through a passage in 2 Peter chapter 1. Now I'm not a professional and so that really messed me up trying to read it off of the uh, monitor there. So I'm going to read out of my Bible. There may be a word or two uh, difference because uh, there's two things going on at once here, and I'm, I'm a little slow. Another sign of old age coming right here. Starting in verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, 
To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. I'm going to say that one again. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from becoming, being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So today we want to talk about what does it look like to tap in. And I'm a speech major, so I'm going to tell you where I'm going. Uh, that's what speech majors do. Uh, first, there's three things we're going to talk about, about tapping in. Is first, how do we tap in ourselves? What does it mean? Who are we that we need to tap in? And secondly, who is God in this tapping in process? And then lastly, if you don't get anything else out of today, if I get lost or I get boring, remember this piece, right? That tapping in has everything to do with finding Jesus. So as we start to think about that, we want to talk early about knowing who we are as believers. You know, there are some people who don't know who they are, right? There are people who, like close talkers. You guys know any close talkers? You know, those people who kind of get in your space, they don't know they're close talkers because if they did, they probably would stop being a close talker. But they don't, and so then it makes everything a little uncomfortable. It makes things uh, more difficult, and they don't understand. In a lot of ways, in my faith, I'm like the close talker. I don't exactly know who I am. And if I did know who I was, then maybe I would act Differently, And one of the things that I, I think that the, this text starts with, and it seems like, well, that's how he should start. He starts by saying, Simon Peter. Now, you guys are more humble than I am, but I'm just going to tell you. If Jesus told me, I got a better name for you, Joe, and it's Peter. Whenever I explained myself, I said, hi, I'm Peter. I would not say I'm Simon Peter. So it seems odd to me that he's introducing himself later in his life, as he's writing this book, as Simon Peter instead of just Peter, because Peter's the name that Jesus gave him. On this rock, I'll build this church. But even in the very first words of this passage, Peter might be reminding us that I am Peter, but I'm also still Simon. You see, I'm not perfect. I don't have it wired up. In fact, I've got some issues. I'm Simon Peter. 
right? And, and I want you to know as we think this through that we have to look at ourselves honestly and say, we, like Peter, are a beautiful mess, aren't we? We're beautiful in our creation of God, but there's those parts of us that we're still working on. We're still trying to be sanctified. In fact, later in the passage, it says to us in verse 4, at the, at the very end it says, we can participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You know, we have those in us. We fight against those things, and we want to escape those things. So as we start to say, who are we trying to tap in? We have to be honest and say we're this beautiful mess uh, that God has, has created and saved through his grace and through his glory, but we're not perfect. Secondly, we're committed to a life of service, right? When we signed up to be Christians, we said, I'm in, right? I'll do this, and I'm in for good. In the start of this passage, Peter says two things. He says, I'm a servant and an apostle, and that order matters. It matters because he's a servant first. In some translations, he says, I'm a bondservant. And if you know what a bondservant is, it's someone who says, I'm signing up, I'm committing for life. I don't get out. And that's what we are, aren't we? We're bond servants and people who are pursuing Christ. So we're not perfect, but we're committed to the process. And third, we can participate in the divine nature. That same verse says, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world. You know, as I, as I read this, I think, yeah, that's what I want right? I want to tap in. I'm tired of doing this on my own. I'm tired of trying this on my own. In fact, when I do it on my own, I generally make things worse. The whole idea of this passage, this is a passage that God led to me about a year and a half ago when I was in terrible conflict with someone I was trying to minister to. And I was committed to minister to that person, and in about 30 minutes, I blew it all to heck. And I was mad. And I was mad at God, saying, God, I'm trying. I did my best. But I'm not participating in the divine nature, because if I was, I wouldn't have messed that relationship up. And so, God, I want to know. Tell me how I participate in that divine nature. But we have to understand today, we can. We're not perfect. We don't have it wired up, right? But we can participate in God's divine nature in this passage tells us how. And that's in two places, right? First, we can participate in the divine nature to do God's good work. We can make a difference because why? Because God powers us to make that difference. And secondly, we can participate in the divine nature to overcome sin. All of us have something, those things we're dealing with all the time, and we think, why can't I overcome this? This passage is going to tell us that that divine nature will help us both ways. So let's talk about who God is now. You see, that verse that kind of caught me in this passage, it says, his divine power has given us everything we need. And man, when I heard that, I'm like, yes, thank you, God. I got this now. Thank you, God, for giving me everything I need. I'll go take care of things from here. Thank you, everything I need. God is a provider of resources. 
I don't know if you've ever been poor before, but I was poor when I was younger, right? I was like, don't have money for gas, hanging out around people's house about dinner time, uh, you know, that kind of poor. And, And not wanting to answer my phone because the bill collectors are on the other end. When you don't have resources, things don't work the way they're supposed to. I have a kind of funny example about not having resources. When my kids were younger, I took them to Chuck E. Cheese. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Chuck E. Cheese before. But it is basically chaos with pizza. <laughs> it's crazy people taking their children, thinking the kids are having fun. I'm not sure about that, but they get pizza right. And I went to, to Chuck E. Cheese with my kids and some of their friends and I forgot to take a diaper bag. Yeah, now I'm a little fuzzy on the whole good-bad thing. That's bad, right? Because, of course, within minutes of arriving, we have a problematic diaper, let's say. And so now what do I do? Right? I don't have the resources I need to accomplish what I want, so then I have to go to another mother and say, ma'am, I forgot my diaper bag. Could I please have a... And after the look, you know, I got the look, like who could do that? Then she shared the resources with me. But the point is, is that it's not good to be without resources, and God is a God of resources. In fact, it says here he gives us everything we need. Everything we need for a godly life, God has given us. And, you know, when I first started reading, I'm a power-positive thinking guy. I like that. I read that. Thank you. Yep, we've got it. That's awesome. And then I would stop reading. I would stop right there, and I would go out, and I would try harder. And I think that's what a lot of us do. We say, God, I know you're giving me power, but, you know, I just, okay, thank you, God. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder. But the problem is, is we have to finish understanding who God is before we can tap in to that power. Secondly, God gives us great and precious promises. There's an awesome parable in Matthew. And see, what's happening in Matthew is this guy's out digging in a field. And it was pretty normal at the time for people to bury their money or treasures in a field. So this guy's just a field worker. And he's out in the field and he, dink, hits something, uncovers it, looks like, whoa, look at this awesome, precious thing. And then he covers it back up. And at the end of the day, he goes home and he says, honey, don't ask any questions. Sell everything. Sell the mule, sell the house, sell the pitchfork, everything we've got, we're selling it. Now, I don't know how that conversation would go over at your house, right? But if I went and said that to my wife, my wife came and said that to me, we might think, We're a little crazy. But what's happening there is this guy knows what precious means. Right? And when we take on God's promises, these great and precious promises, they mean everything to us. We have to sell everything else out. And as we go through this passage, we think about maybe, I thought I did, maybe there's other things I can let go of. You know, and a lot of times I say, I think, hey, God, thanks, appreciate those great and precious promises, but that doesn't really apply to this, or that doesn't really apply to that. 
This person's pretty hard to deal with, God. Have you seen this person? This sin's pretty hard to deal with, God. Do you know what I'm under, the stress I'm under, what's going on? But we don't tap in because we don't understand how to get to that power. So we know who we are. We know who God is, right? He's given us these promises, so what do we do? Well, I think we have to step back and actually read what it's saying to us. You see, that verse, which is so awesome, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Don't stop there. What's it say next? It says, through our knowledge of him who called us. So you want divine power? Know Jesus. Now this caused a huge shift in thinking for me. Because I'd spent most of my life saying, God, fix this for me. Fix that. Kind of talked a few weeks ago about our weakness is where God shows his power. And what we're talking about today is, is Peter is saying, you want to tap in, you want to touch the power of God, know Jesus better. And because he's trying to make the point, he says it three times. In verse 2, he says, grace and peace be yours. Now, first off, God knows how to get your attention, doesn't he? First off, because we're a beautiful mess, we all require grace. We require God's grace, and we love it. That's what leads us to the kingdom. But we also ask for grace from people around us, don't we? There is nothing better than being known for who you are and still being loved. That's grace. And we want grace, but we also want peace. Unless your life is different than mine, we live in a fast-paced world. Our life is chaotic. We go from work to sports or to, to recitals to whatever else we're doing. We are busy people. We just want some peace. Right? Some, we just want to close the door and be quiet for a little while. And Peter's saying, grace and peace to you. He says, that'll get your attention. But how? He says, by knowing God and knowing Jesus. That's number one. Then he says it again after the next verse. And then later in the passage, there's another one of those, hey, better finish reading this moments. In verse 8, it says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, by, by the way, he made that great list of qualities, right? They're great. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. What? All the competitors in the room, all the high achievers in the room, all the doers in the room just said, I will not be un unproductive. I will not be ineffective. Jesus, I'm adding those things. And what's funny is, is a buddy of mine, we're going through this passage, and we actually laid out how we're going to add those things. Why? Because we wanted God to be happy with us. Okay, will God be happy? Yeah, but as long as our motives are right and we're understanding why we're even adding these things Let's finish reading the passage. Ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Huh? What? The point is not being effective and productive. The point is knowing Jesus better. It's knowing Jesus better. That's the point. And I was missing that. 
I kept saying, thanks for your divine power. I'll try harder. I won't be ineffective or unproductive. And all of that is just about knowing Jesus better. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have a, hey, thank you, Dr. Graham. I appreciate you giving us a super broad idea, know Jesus better. That's pretty hard to apply. And what I'm going to say to you today is, is I think this is different for every single one of us. Right? For me, in the last year, year and a half, it has been scripture memory. But that's the first time I've really memorized scripture since I was like in the fourth grade. But I've been able to know Jesus better through that process. And for each of you, it will be different. But the issue is, is am I asking that question, can I know Jesus better? Because what happens generally when we get off base, when we have a little sin in our life, we run from God because we think God is up there looking down on us saying, you messed up. I'm not happy. And this passage is saying to us, you know what? In the midst of all that, if you want to tap into God's power to overcome that sin, you can't run anymore. you got to know Jesus better. you got to ask that question. Jesus, what does it look like for me to know you better? What do you want me to know? Because I want to know. And if we buy into what Peter's saying here, it should change our perspective entirely. It should change the way we think about the events in our life, right? Instead of begging God to take that person out of your life that's so annoying or that difficulty that you're having in your marriage, God, take this away from me. Instead, the possibility exists that all that is happening in your life so you can know Jesus better. Maybe your problems in business, your problems in finances are just because Jesus says, I want you to know me better. So it's a change in perspective when we look at this verse and say, how do I tap in? How do I get my hand over to God so he can jump into the ring of my life and he can beat this bad stuff up? We tap in by knowing Jesus better. And the truth is, maybe that bad stuff doesn't always go away. The truth is, maybe it's something we're supposed to wrestle with because Jesus wants to know him better. One more part of the verse I want to talk about today, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. This is a good reminder in verse 3. It goes through his divine power, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Again, I had read this a bunch of times, and about three weeks ago, this one was like, hey, look at me. This is an important part of the verse. You see, I often wanted God to love me because of my goodness, not his. I often want God to love me because of the good things I've done. And he's saying, you know what? I already love you. I already love you, so you can just get to know me. Right? You can let it go. You don't have to be anything for me. I will be that thing for you. By his glory and goodness do we get to know Jesus. It takes the pressure off. It allows us to relax and say, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. 
So what does this mean for us? My hope is this morning as we look at this passage, his divine power has given us everything that we need. We'll say yes. Yes, it's given me everything I need because it gives me an opportunity to know Jesus better. That's the point. The point of the passage is this is what matters. This is how we stay connected. This is how we overcome sin. This is how we make a giant difference in our world is we ask that question, what does it mean for me to know Jesus better today? It's not easy. It goes against who we are. It goes against what we learn because everywhere in our life, do good at work, try hard, do our best, perform, school, same, relationships, same. God says, you know what? For me, I'm doing all the work here. All you have to do to overcome, to tap in, is get to know me better. So the issue becomes two words, perspective. I'm looking at my life differently. Whatever that problem is in your life right now that you're dealing with is how can you get to know Jesus better? And then the second one is pursuit. So now I'm going to move that direction. What does it look like? If I'm moving towards Jesus, each one of us is going to look different. He's created us all differently. And it's a gift. So our job together is to say, I want to know you better, Jesus. Let's go. And that frees us to have the perspective that allows us to tap into God's power. Now, Emily's going to come up in just a second, but I'd like to close us in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for your love. God, thank you for Jesus. God, help us to keep our eyes on that thing. God, help us to know him better through every circumstance we have, God. We love you so much. We thank you for your grace and the peace that you give us. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.